All right, well, our series that we've been in for some time in the Gospel of Luke, Radical Love, brings us to Luke chapter 10 this week. Uh, So if you'd want to go ahead and turn there. Uh, It shares with us the story of Jesus sending out 72 uh, of his disciples, or uh, some people say 70. There's, there's this uh, debate about exactly how many uh, there were, which we're not that concerned about. Um, and so his, he, he sends his disciples out, these, I'm going to go with 72, to go from town to town proclaiming the coming of the kingdom of God. Most of our attention today is going to focus on verses 8 through 16, but I want to start by drawing your attention to verses 2 and 3, Uh, where Jesus says this to the 72. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. And then in verse 3, Jesus says this, Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Go. Go. I think if if we needed to summarize the charge that Jesus left uh, with his followers before he ascended to heaven, if we needed to summarize that in one word, it, it would seem to me like uh, there would be many words that we might have as options, but we might have to settle on this word go as the one word summary for the charge uh, that was left to the church. Uh, we see it here in Luke 10. We also see it in Matthew 28. Uh, which gives us what we call the Great Commission, where Jesus said to his followers that they were to go into all the world and make disciples. Uh, The book of Mark gives us uh, very similar instruction. Uh, Mark tells us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So we see this over and over again, go, go, go. And then in Acts 1.8, Jesus tells his followers that they're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them and that they're going to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, uh, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So you may have noticed the word go isn't in there, but it is in there. Because to do all of that, they have to go. And so it seems to me that if we were forced to summarize uh, Jesus' command to his followers in one word, this would be a really good word for us to choose, go. And it's one of the five major categories of ministry that we have here at Vineyard Pataskala. And it encompasses missions and outreach. And Pastor Ben, who gave the announcements today, oversees that area of ministry. You know, there's often debate within Christianity about exactly what the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be doing. And we could say a lot of different things about that. We uh, certainly are called to uh, minister to one another, to support other Christians, to help one another grow in our faith. We're certainly called to uh, worship God. Uh, But right at the top of the list of what the church is supposed to be doing would have to be uh, this charge to go. So what is it that we are called to go and do? Uh, Well, some we've already mentioned here today. Matthew 28 says that we're to go and make disciples of all people groups. Everyone in the world uh, is to be told about Jesus Christ. And and we're to do everything we can to see them become followers and give their lives to to, uh, following after Jesus. Uh, Mark says that we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel, preach the good news uh, of salvation through Jesus Christ. 
Uh, Acts says that we're to be Christ witnesses to the ends of the earth. And then in Luke 10, as we read about Jesus commissioning the 72, Jesus gives some very clear instructions about what we are to go and do. And I think these instructions he gives here in Luke 10 help to kind of uh, pull together all these different go passages and help us uh, see a little more clearly exactly what he's calling us to do. So I want to read verses 8 through 16, and then we're going to look a little closer at what Jesus instructs them to go and do. So if you have a Bible, you want to follow along, uh, you can do that as I read. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Okay, so today we're uh, going, before we're finished, uh, we're going to, to cover most of these uh, verses that we've read today. But I want us to begin by discovering what Jesus told them to go and do. In verse 9, he tells them that they are to go throughout the towns and they are to tell the people in the towns, the kingdom of God is near. They are to announce the kingdom of God. And Daryl Bach, a theologian, helps us to unpack that phrase a little bit. Uh, he tells us that to announce the kingdom is to announce that the rule of God through Jesus has begun. And so I want you to kind of get that definition in your mind. When we announce the kingdom, what we're announcing is that the rule of God through Jesus Christ has begun. And when we read this phrase in the text that says, come near, that the kingdom has come near, we should understand it to mean come up on. So the proclamation was that the kingdom of God had come upon them. It wasn't that it was in the next town over, so it was headed their way. It was that it had come to them. It was now upon them. So in our going, we are to proclaim, we are to announce, we are to witness to the fact that the rule of God through Christ has begun in the earth. We are to make disciples of all people groups, disciples of the king of God's kingdom. We, we are to proclaim the good news that the king of God's kingdom came to earth, died in our place in order to allow us to live in the presence of God forever. We are to be witnesses to the fact uh, that the kingdom of God has come and that the king has made a way for every one of us to enter into his kingdom. We are to witness to this fact to the ends of the earth. So here's a question for us to consider today. 
Those of us who are here in this room today and we are believers in Jesus, are we doing this? Are you doing this? Have you accepted the call to proclaim the King and His kingdom? Have you accepted the call to announce, to bear witness to the rule of God through Jesus Christ? With conversion, when, when we each become Christians, when we have our sins removed from us as far as the east is from the west, when we through Christ receive the rule of God into our own lives, that comes with a responsibility. We also receive the responsibility of joining in this mission of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. So are we doing it? Are you doing it? Are you in some way, in some way, participating in bearing witness to God's rule through Jesus? Let me appeal to all of us here today that, that if we are not in some way participating in this call to go, that I am asking you today to not leave here before you commit to become an answer to that prayer that Jesus prayed uh, at the beginning of chapter 10 for more workers to go into the fields that are ripe for the harvest. I want to give just a few ideas today about how you can go about doing that, how you can begin to participate in going and announcing the kingdom of God. Here is one that I think many Christians overlook that, that is so effective and so powerful that God will use it in such a good way. And that is, work on your personal testimony. Take some time to sit down and write out how you came to faith in Christ, the difference that He has made in your life, and and get that condensed down into something that you can share in just a a few sentences, uh, a couple of minutes or so uh, at the most. And then do this. After you've worked that out and after you have this this very simple uh, explanation of what Christ has done in your own life, then pray that God would help you. The next time someone says to you, so tell me a little bit about yourself, that God would help you to be able to share what he's done in your life. Think about it. As Christians, we, we often live such... Uh, compartmentalized lives, such disjointed lives, we, we say in church on Sunday that Jesus is the greatest thing that's ever happened to us. And yet someone says, tell me a little bit about yourself. And we never mention Jesus. We mention every other great thing that's happened to us. But we never mention Jesus. And so find a natural way, a, a comfortable way uh, to just make that part of your of your conversation. Uh, here's another way that you can be uh, participating in this uh, call to go. Begin serving in one of the ministries here at the church uh, that are categorized under go. It's behind. It's behind here. There is there is a sign that says go behind here. Uh, these ministries are international friendships, uh, reaching out to. Uh, uh, international students that are Ohio State University. Uh, these ministries include in Lasse, 
uh, our mission to El Salvador. They include serving in the food pantry, uh, that we partner with Pataskala Church of the Nazarene to do that, to serve those in need in our community. Uh, They include being involved in Heartbeats of Licking County, the pro-life pregnancy center that the Bottles for Life uh, go to support. They involve these uh, kindness outreaches like Ben was also telling us about today. They involve things like community service. Get involved in those things. Bear witness to Christ in our community. Here's another one. Commit to praying every day for one or two friends who do not yet know Christ and then look for opportunities to bear witness of Christ to those friends. Here's another one. Commit to pray daily or weekly. We'll settle for weekly. If you can't do daily, we'll settle for weekly. Pray weekly for a nation on earth where there is not much of a Christian witness. Ask God to to direct you. Pick a nation. Learn everything you can about that nation. Pray for that nation. Perhaps give money to people who are working to take the gospel in to that place. And if you're not ready for any of these things that I've just mentioned, if you're not ready to do any of those yet, then you can start with, with this one. Invite people to church. This is, a, this is a low bar one. Hey, I go to the vineyard. Would you like to come sometime? Everybody can do it. And when you do, you are participating in going. You are participating in go. It's a simple and, and, and uh, uh, low cost, meaning it, there, there's not a lot at stake for you if, you if you do this. They say yes. They say no. It's not that big a deal. And so do that. If we have said yes to the rule of Jesus in our lives, and many of us here today have, then that came with a responsibility to join in this task of proclaiming, announcing, and bearing witness to Jesus and to His kingdom. Many of you are so faithful to do that, but I encourage all of us today to not leave here before we have committed, committed ourselves to participate in this call to go. So Jesus told them what they were to tell the towns they went to, but then he did something else. He told them that not everybody was going to receive the message. Some of you who are faithful to share the message, you have picked up on this. Not everybody receives the message. Uh, He told them that on those occasions when people would reject the announcement of the rule of God, when they would reject the kingdom of God that had come upon them, that they would reject the king and his kingdom, he told them how to respond to this. And so for the next few minutes, I want us to consider what we learn from Luke 10 about when Jesus is rejected. You know, maybe you uh, are a person who's had the experience of bearing witness to Christ only to have your message of hope rejected. Uh, Maybe uh, maybe it was kindly rejected. Maybe you've had an experience where it was somewhat harshly rejected. This is a common experience for those who uh, bear witness to the kingdom of God. This is a common experience for those who are faithful uh, to share the message of hope through Jesus Christ. And so you should not be surprised. Uh, when it happens. So let's consider what Jesus says about this. First, he tells them that if they enter a town and they are not welcomed, and what's meant by that is that this message of the kingdom is rejected. 
But if this happens, what they are to do is they are to go into the streets and they are to say, even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. That's a very interesting thing for Jesus to say, isn't it? I am not asking you to say that if anyone rejects uh, your bearing witness to Christ. That would be very, very bizarre for you to do that. Do not do that. Um, What we need to do is understand what this means. And in Luke 9, verse 5, just a little, little bit before where we're at now, Uh, we get some insight into what this means. Before Jesus sent out the 72, he had sent out the 12 to bear witness for him. And and when he sent out the 12, in chapter 9, verse 5, he told them, if people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave the town as a testimony against them as a testimony against them. Bach helps us again. He says this, This act declares a separation between God and the rejecting city, exposing their accountability to Him for their decision. So here's what this act is basically meant to communicate. You are now responsible for the truth that you have heard and you have rejected. That's basically what Jesus is is telling them to communicate. You're responsible. I've done what I was told to do. I've been faithful to bear witness to the kingdom of God, and now you are responsible for what you've heard. You're not going to be able to say on the day of judgment, but I didn't know. Not going to be able to say that. Uh, That that, that defense has been taken away uh, from you. And, And so, friends, it is true. We are responsible for what we hear. We cannot hear the truth, reject it, and not be held accountable for it. That's not the way that it works. Jesus is telling them to do this as a way of communicating that the rejecting town, the rejecting city, is going to be held accountable for their rejection. And if you are here today... And if you have been rejecting the rule of God through Jesus in your own life, you may be here every week, hearing week in and week out about the good news of Jesus Christ. You may be visiting us from another church, and in that church you've heard week in and week out about the goodness of Jesus Christ. Maybe this is your first time in a church, but you've had a friend telling you about the goodness of Christ in their own life. Maybe you grew up your entire life in a church, but you've still never received the rule of God in your life. You will be held accountable for the truth that you have heard and rejected. It's what Jesus is telling us. You're going to be held accountable. Secondly, Jesus tells them that if they're not welcomed, uh, again, I want you to keep in mind this means that the message of the kingdom has been rejected, that they are to say... Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. 
Now, now these first two things that we're covering is what Jesus is instructing his disciples to do and say when the message of the kingdom is rejected. So he instructs them to say, yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. This isn't Jesus that's going to say this. These are his followers who he's telling to say uh, this to the people who reject. And what Jesus is telling them basically amounts to this. Rejection of the message doesn't, re- doesn't change the reality of the rule of God and the fact that it has, in fact, begun. You can reject it, but your rejecting doesn't change the truth. The rule of God is here. You can stick your head in the sand if you want, but it's here and it's come upon us. It's come upon you. Pretend it's not true. Doesn't change anything. The rule of King Jesus has begun. Followers of Jesus today, I ask you to listen and I hope this will be an encouragement to you. It does not matter how many people reject Jesus. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many people say the Bible is wrong. It doesn't matter how many people say that Jesus is not the only king of the kingdom of God or the only way into the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter if the person rejecting the kingdom is highly educated. It doesn't matter if the person rejecting the kingdom has a great scientific mind. It doesn't matter even if nations that once were predominantly Christian turn away from the truth of Christ in mass. It doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter if, if Christian denominations as a whole now largely reject the truth of Jesus as the king of the kingdom, uh, of Jesus as the only entry point into the kingdom. It doesn't matter. Because no one, And nothing can change the reality that the rule of God through Jesus has begun. Nothing can change that. Jesus says it does not matter if the message gets rejected. The message is true and the kingdom is here. So don't lose heart. Don't be intimidated by the widespread rejection of the message. Because it doesn't change the reality, not a single bit. And friend, if you're here today and you're a person who has been consistently rejecting the appeal of God through Jesus, you've been continuing to reject the rule of God through Jesus, I say to you lovingly that your rejection does not change the truth. Your refusal to acknowledge Jesus as king does not change the fact that he is king. Your refusal to allow him to rule your life does not change that his rule has begun. Your pretending as though it's not true doesn't change the fact that it is true. Our third learning from this passage is that when the message of the kingdom is rejected, the messengers of the kingdom are not to judge, but are to warn. Jesus is very specific in giving these instructions to them. He tells them exactly what they are to do and say 
to the rejecting city. As we've covered, they're to shake the dust off their feet, communicating that the town is responsible, that they'll be held accountable, and they are to inform people that their rejection doesn't change the reality. But then Jesus moves from what his disciples are to say and do and moves into making his own commentary about the rejecting cities. So Jesus is going to say what Jesus wants to say. But what we are called to say is not judgment, but simply warning. So the disciples are, are uh, reminded, again, that they're uh, to tell the uh, towns of their accountability. They're boldly to say that their rejection doesn't change anything. I would categorize this under offering a warning, but it stops short of pronouncing judgment on the town, which is God's business alone. And so for us today, uh, in, in our context, in our setting, we need to apply this to our own lives. And we need to understand that we are not to render, because it is not our place, we are not to render final judgment on anyone. But that does not change the fact that we are to offer warnings to folks who reject, an appeal, a, a, a loving plea. You see, we're called to boldly proclaim the truth, never back down from the truth. We're called to lovingly and, and uh, caringly remind people of their responsibility for having heard the truth. We're to lovingly uh, appeal to people that their rejection doesn't change the reality that, that Jesus does rule. But we must... Stop short of pronouncing judgment on anyone. That is the business of God alone. It's not our, it's not our thing to do. We, we, we don't know enough. We're not wise enough. We're, we're not tuned into the Spirit enough to, to make these final judgments about people's lives. These next few verses uh, cover what I think we can do. We cannot make final judgment on people. We can open up the Scriptures and say, look at what Jesus has to say. These aren't my words. These are the words of Jesus. And so Jesus moves from verse 11 where he tells the disciples what to do and he moves in to verse 12 where he begins making his own statements about the people uh, who are rejecting. So he's told them what to say. Now he's telling them what he thinks about the folks who are rejecting. And here's what he says. These are sobering words. Sobering words. He says, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom than for that town. You guys remember Sodom, right? If, if you don't remember Sodom, Sodom was the town in the Old Testament that was destroyed by fire because of its rampant wickedness. Jesus says it's more bearable for Sodom than for these rejecting cities. Wow, that is sobering. When, when we reference that day, that day in the text, talks about uh, it'll be more bearable for Sodom 
uh, I think it says in that day, it should be understood as the day of judgment. The day of judgment. So realize what Jesus is saying here. It's going to be more bearable for Sodom, a city of rampant wickedness in the day of judgment, than for people who reject the announcement of the kingdom of God. It'll be more bearable for Sodom than it's going to be for people who reject the rule of God through Christ. And then he goes on and says this, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago. Now, we really don't know anything of Jesus' ministry in Chorazin, and we know very little about his ministry in Bethsaida. But it seems as though he had ministered in those towns, and he had not been received. And so what he's saying here is that he points out that there are two Gentile towns, Tyre and Sidon, both known once again, like Sodom, for extreme wickedness. And he says, if I would have done the things in Tyre and Sidon that I've done among you, those cities would have repented long ago. But Tyre and Sidon had not had the chance yet to respond to the rule of God through Jesus. Chorazin and Bethsaida had, and they had rejected. And Jesus identifies this as a terrible and dreadful thing. He says, woe to you. And here's something that I think we should understand is we should not hear in Jesus saying, woe to you. We should not hear an angry response to these cities. We should hear a sorrowful response. Because Jesus is deeply sorrowful over those who have rejected such a great invitation as what has been put before them. This, this isn't an angry, woe is you. This, this is a sorrowful, woe. Woe is you. He's heartbroken that they've made this horrible decision. Friends, anger is not the right response toward people who reject Jesus. Sorrow is. Sorrow is. Sure, I, I, I believe it's okay to be righteously angry over movements that actively work to lead people away from God. I, I believe, biblically, you can make the case that it's, it's right to be righteously angry over uh, people who go about and set themselves against all that is good and just and true. I, I think that we can be righteously angry when people dis- distort the clear teachings of Scripture Uh, which a columnist in the dispatch uh, did this week. Uh, We can be and should be righteously angry over many things. But people rejecting Jesus, rejecting the rule of God through Jesus, they should not be objects of our anger, but they should be folks that we have a deep sorrow and compassion for. This is Jesus' response to people who reject. He is sorrowful for them. And he is sorrowful for them because he understands the consequences they face for their rejection of such a gracious invitation. This is why he's sorrowful. He says that it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for Chorazin and Bethsaida. 
And then he turns his attention to Capernaum, where much of Jesus' ministry took place. And he says this, And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. He warns of the consequences of rejecting him. It is a terrible and dreadful thing to reject the king of the kingdom. The consequences, Jesus makes clear, are that those who reject his rule will be found wanting on the day of judgment and they will be brought down to the depths. And Jesus is sorrowful over this. He doesn't want this to happen to anyone. He knows what a terrible and dreadful thing judgment is going to be for those who reject. And he doesn't want anybody to experience that consequence. Before we wrap up today, I want to share an encouragement and an appeal. First, I want to give an encouragement to those of you who are faithful to proclaim the king and his kingdom. For those of you who are faithfully bearing witness to King Jesus and you have experienced rejection. In verse 16, Jesus says, He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. First of all, you should uh, know that you go out to proclaim this message of hope with the full backing of Jesus. You are sent by Jesus. There is something legitimate in that. You know, I I was so pleased uh, to be able to come to Patascala and start a vineyard church having been sent by another church to do so. There, There is... There is a legitimacy that comes with being sent by someone to do something. And there's no greater legitimacy than being sent by Christ himself to go. And so you, you go into the world with the full backing of Jesus. He, he, he has sent you. He links himself so closely with you as to say that those who reject you are actually rejecting him and the one who sent him, God the Father. And so, here's what I want to encourage you with. When you are rejected, it isn't about you. The rejection you face is not about you. It isn't you that people are rejecting. It is Christ they are rejecting. Of course, this only applies as long as you're not being an idiot. If you are being an idiot, then they might just be rejecting you and not Christ. So, Adele, I expected a lot healthier laugh from you than that. Oh, okay. And and this, you know, there's a lot of talk about this uh, lately. Why people love Jesus but not the church and... Well, I think there's a lot of illegitimate stuff that gets uh, talked about in those conversations. It is true that that, that if we do not represent Christ correctly, we can be a turnoff to people. 
But, but if you are representing him uh, lovingly, if you are representing him the way that he calls us to represent him in a, in a reasonable way, the rejection is not personal. There is something much larger at work. And so my encouragement to all of us who are faithful to bear witness today is even in the midst of rejection, continue to be faithful because it's not personal. It is not about you. And now an appeal. There are some of you here today, and I I don't necessarily know this factually, I just know it because I know in a group of people this size that, that this is true. There are some of you here today who have consistently chosen to reject the rule of God through Jesus in your life. Just over and over and over again, you choose to reject. You see yourself as a good person, and maybe on the sliding scale that we all use, you are a pretty good person. You, uh, you think that all this Jesus stuff is just a little bit too much. That, that, that Christians, churches are just, just a little too over the top with what they say about all of this. You think Christians take uh, everything that they believe way too seriously, uh, much more seriously than what it uh, warrants. But friend, if this is you, if you know, if you're here today and you know uh, that you are a person who has been rejecting the rule of Jesus, I, I just ask you to hear the things that Jesus says in our text today. Everything that we have read today is in most of your translations of the Bible identified in red letters. And so what this means is that they are the very words of Jesus. Jesus. You know, loving, compassionate, caring Jesus. It's his words that we have read today. And some of you here today have, have heard the good news of Jesus Christ. You have, you have had his kingdom, his rule extended to you again and again. And some of you time and time again you've rejected. Some of you maybe, in our culture this is probably not true, but maybe there's someone who you're hearing this for the first time today. Either way, whether you've heard it for years or whether today was the first day that you uh, heard the message of uh, Jesus, you are now responsible for what you've heard. You can reject it, but you've heard it. And so you're responsible. And Jesus says to you, be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. Your rejection doesn't change the truth, friend. God's rule through Christ has begun. Jesus is your only hope for salvation, just like you've been told time and time again. Jesus is your only hope for being right with God. It's your only chance to get out of this life well is to receive the rule of King Jesus In your life. And so, from the words of Jesus, we have this appeal don't be among those who Jesus says it will be better for Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Don't be among that group of people. Don't be among the group of people who Jesus says will be brought down to the depths at judgment. 
Don't, don't be among that group. Embrace what is true. Receive Jesus as your king and your only hope for salvation. And do it today. Why don't you stand?